Welcome to the Real Estate Espresso Podcast, your morning shot of what's new in the world of real estate investing. I'm your host, Victor Manash. This is the weekend edition where we interview notable people from the world of real estate investing. Today is no exception. We have a great guest all the way from Hamilton, Ontario. Welcome to the show, Adrian Panozo. Awesome. Thanks, Vic. Thanks for having me. Great to have you here. Now, Adrian, you've been doing a particular strategy that could be applied in almost any Rust Belt city, any industrial city anywhere in North America. But before we dig into those details, why don't you give us a little bit of your backstory and how you got to this point in your journey? Yeah, for sure. So um, I've been investing in real estate for 10 years. Prior to, I was a police officer for 21 years in Toronto. And um, I just completed 21 years of police service. 10 of the last 21 years while I was a police officer, I, I began investing in real estate and buying multifamily homes in Ontario, multifamilies, triplexes, fourplexes, and so on, all the way up to 10-unit apartment buildings. And it wasn't until about the last five years, we incorporated what everybody's commonly known as the Burr strategy, buy, renovate, refinance, rent, and repeat. And we've really mastered this strategy in, in our market center over the course of the last five years where we're really able to extract all of our capital and all of our renovation budget, essentially producing over 95 and most times infinite return on our money. I can sum it up by saying in 10 years, we've built a portfolio of over 54 multifamily homes that we own together with joint venture partnerships which is equivalent to just over 200 units all here in Ontario. I love it. That's very, that's fantastic. That Burr strategy, the buy, renovate, rent, refinance, repeat strategy is core to the value add strategy. And it doesn't matter whether you're applying it to a four unit building or a 400 unit complex. Math is pretty much the same. The risk is obviously much different depending on whether you're doing four units at a time or 400. Absolutely. Yeah. So when you're looking to acquire these properties, is there a particular signature that you're looking for? Is there a particular type of neighborhood that you're looking for? Are you all over the city? Are you trying to cluster them all together so that you can manage them as a cluster of multi-unit buildings? What, what is the strategy? So obviously we're looking for distressed, um, structurally sound, but distressed. Grandma lived there for 80 years. She's never done a thing inside. We still have the original original everything, essentially. We're looking in all different areas of the city in predominantly, like I said, Hamilton, but we're, we're buying properties in A plus areas, B areas, right up to C minus areas where given our analysis and our expertise in the market, we're able to prepare a really, really tight analysis with respect to our purchase price, our renovation budget, and then ultimately, you know, at the end of the rainbow, what's this project going to refinance for? And our reputation really relies on extracting all capital that's put into the project, every single penny. How much are you relying on the forced appreciation that results from the improvements that you've made to the property versus just the market appreciation, that rising tide lifting all boats? More so the the capital appreciation, not from the, the appreciation in the market, but more so the renos and um, the transition of the property. 
we're relying on that a lot more. Typically, our renovations are lasting six months where we were at a point to refinance. So God willing, the market doesn't change drastically in those six months. Our analysis are pretty tight with respect to our timelines as well. So call it as well the rinse and repeat cycle, where we're money in, money out in six months at that point of refinance. So in a six-month window, you're not conducting major renovations. These are obviously improvements of all of the things that the customer sees, like the kitchens and baths, anything cosmetic. Are you taking it right down to the to the bare studs and putting in completely new drywall? Some have gone to the studs. Our, our projects that go to the studs usually last eight months. We also have established our own construction company. So we have trades, sub-trades, so on and so forth at our disposal, where we can turn something around to the studs in eight months. Typically, that's a four to five unit uh, multifamily home where we're building it essentially from the bricks in. But yeah, eight months is is our most um, longest timeline with respect to that. I love that. And when you look at comparing this, let's say with new construction, of course, with new construction, the cost of construction is many times what it is that you're probably buying these buildings for. You're probably looking at development charges where you would have to pay infrastructure costs to the city in order to increase the density. When you take an existing building and you transform it, just the fact that you can avoid those development charges, those impact fees, as they're called in some communities, you can do a lot of renovation for the cost of those impact fees. Yeah, absolutely. So our renovation budget Budgets, you know, if we're going to the studs for four units, we're typically hovering around anywhere between two fifty and three hundred thousand. Um, but that's like right from, like you said, the bricks in, windows, roof, HVAC, all new um, electrical, plumbing, framework, and so on and so forth, right to the studs. Two fifty to three hundred for four units. But again, our reputation and our goal is to get all that back, plus our down payment at the point of refinance. I love it. Let's imagine for a moment that you decided you wanted to change cities. You and your wife decided, you know, we're, we're kind of tired of the snow and we want to relocate. If you got dropped in almost any community in North America, you could apply this exact same strategy, right? Absolutely. I would, I would obviously want to do my homework. What we've established here in Ontario, Hamilton specific, has been a transition over 10 years. This just didn't happen overnight with respect to our expertise and the people we have in place to help us be successful. So yeah, it would work absolutely anywhere. Obviously working with the right team of people who know the market, who know comparables, who know construction. If you're doing all this work to a property, what does the end of the rainbow typically going to look like? And having that strong team around you, this could be implemented absolutely anywhere in North America. Talk a little bit about the transition from policing to doing this on a full-time basis, because you said that you started doing this work while you were still a full-time member of the police force. Right. Was that synergistic with the work that you were doing? Was it an outright conflict with the work you were doing? How did that go? Well, the mindset back then, you know, 10 years ago, while I was still a police officer, was I want to have two rental properties, for example, where we could cash flow and I could subsidize my pension after I do my 30 years on the job. I could live the same lifestyle as I live with obviously a full-time police salary, subsidize that shortfall with two rental properties, cash flow, life's good. 
So we bought the first two and we didn't have any money, obviously, back then. We started with a home equity line of credit, pulled the equity of our home. I think we started with a $200,000 line of credit that we borrowed that and then used that line of credit as the money to start buying the rental properties. And essentially that kind of snowballed. It got quite addictive buying these properties and, and lucrative. So, you know, two turned into four. And when we hit our fourth rental property, plus our principal residence, our debt ratios, then we were at a max. So we were at five residential mortgages. We maxed out our, our borrowing potential on a, on a typical A lender. So at that point in time, uh, we decided to start um, marketing ourselves and uh, joint venturing with different other like-minded investors. Things just took off from essentially four properties to 54 properties once we started to joint venture. That's one of the very common obstacles that is hitting up against that lending limit. For some, it's five properties. For some, it's 10. For others, it's 15. In the States, they call that being fannied or freddied out. And it's hitting up against that ceiling where the fundamental assumption in residential underwriting is that the path to repayment of that loan is through your employment income. Whereas in the world of commercial, if you own a 100-unit building or a 400-unit building, your salary doesn't really factor into the picture because if something goes wrong with that property, your salary isn't going to be enough to fix it. Right. Yeah. You're stuck in almost that no man's land between the world of residential underwriting and commercial because you're doing this on a commercial level, but still doing it with properties that fall under those residential underwriting rules. Right. Right. Have you gone and put portfolio loans over groups of properties and treated them as a commercial portfolio? No, haven't done that yet. Most of the residential, like the triplexes and the fourplexes, this financing was, uh, has been secured by the joint venture partner who qualified for the lending component on that particular acquisition. The commercial properties that we own in our portfolio, the six, the six units, the 12 units, and so on, those are joint, um, obviously started a new corporation, and then we're both shareholders of that corp. And as you know, the, the lending components are completely different with respect to that. Oh, fantastic. Well, folks, there's so many different ways to do this business. You can bring in partners that are active partners. And as Adrian's done here and have them be active participants and make it a true joint venture, that's another way to scale. There's so many different ways to scale in this business. Adrian, if folks want to connect, if they want to learn more, what's the best way? Yeah, shoot me a quick email executive properties with IES at rogers.com. Terrific. Well, thank you, Adrian, for sharing your story. And for the folks at home, definitely connect with Adrian at executive properties at rogers.com. And in the meantime, have an awesome rest of your weekend. Go make some great things happen. We'll talk to you again tomorrow. <laughs>